Welcome to 3Talk, coaching conversations for modern day living. With backgrounds in business, marketing and teaching, Susie, Lucia and Fleur bring you tips and tools to help you live the life you want to live. 3Talk, transforming lives for the better. Welcome back to 3Talk, how to stop worrying part one. As this is such a crucial topic, we have decided to turn this into two parts. Negative noise is everywhere in our society, but mostly it is inside our heads. Worry is the loudest internal noise. And as a parent of three children, I understand how easy it is to let it creep in. I always try to remember that worry is not love. And in fact, giving up worry is the most loving thing I can do as a parent, wife, and in my work. Besides worrying emotionally hindering us, worry limits the quality and the quantity of our life. Researchers from Harvard found that anxiety and fear destroy the proteins at the end of our chromosomes called telomeres, which dramatically speeds up the aging process. I want to be around a long time for my children, so like us all, need to cancel this worry noise. The best antidote to worry is its polar opposite, gratitude for the present. So for example, worry asks, what bad things could happen? Gratitude asks, what great things are actually happening? Take two minutes to write down 10 things you feel positive about. Your children, your values, your faith, your character, anything you feel positive about. Then share with your family, or you could share on Facebook. Researchers at the University of Chicago found that when people wrote about their positive feelings for a few minutes, they significantly lowered their levels of worry and harmful cortisol levels. And incredibly, it raised their performance on tests of memory and critical thinking skills by 10 to 15%. So by emitting positive energy and cancelling out that internal noise, you can get back the signal that leads to meaning, success, sustained happiness, and even a longer, healthier life. What do you think, Lucia? Oh, I love this topic. And I think it's one that, um, you know, is so common is just with us. And I think we all worry in, you know, bigger or smaller scale, but you're always worrying about something. And you said it at the beginning, when you become a parent in particular, like, you know, I found myself worrying even more, uh, not about me, but I do worry about, you know, the kids and whether I'm doing the things right or wrong, whether they're going to be safe or not. Like it's all those things that creep up in your head. So I think, is very important, it's vital that we start focusing on that worry. And I think you said it very nicely when you said, you know, worry always asks what bad things could happen. And I always see worry as a sort of fortune teller. So sometimes you just need to tune it, tune out that voice, lower or dine that voice, and leave space for that hope for that wishful thinking if you if you want and one way you can do it is as you said start focusing on things that are happening today and what great things you already have because that's a way of already started shifting that thought process worry is one of those that 
it is always going to be with us in one way or another. So I think the first thing for me would be to start getting familiar with that worry and start getting to know the source of that worry. Why are you seeing the bad or, or the challenge or the threat in something instead of, oh my God, I'm panicking and let's go, let, let's let the ball roll even bigger, if that makes any sense. And sometimes just by asking ourselves, like, why am I worried about this? Can't stop the worry in its tracks. So perhaps that's another good question to start introducing ourselves. Why am I worried about this? Yeah, and it's seeing if that worry is true. Is that a real worry or is that just, you know, you're using your mind or imagination poorly? It's just the scenarios that you're planting out, isn't it? It's not a reality. It's something that hasn't happened. It's something that you're trying to accommodate or plan for. If things go bad, if things go wrong, then I can do X, Y, and Z. So sometimes instead instead of planning and trying to come up with solutions, you need to actually think if the problem you're thinking about is there or not. Yeah, definitely. So when you're naturally a glass half empty kind of person, hearing uh, slogans like think positive can make you feel like an occasional jogger being told to run a marathon tomorrow. Before you can implement positive strategies and reap their benefits of improved health, better relationships and more happiness, it is best to start by decreasing negativity. We have collected the best negativity reduction tips to help you identify your look on the grey side habits and begin to chip away at them because there is a shiny bright side waiting for you. So the first one is set goals but break them down. A lot of people who see the negative side of things always tend to put themselves down because they set huge intimidating goals that are difficult to attain kind of like now. So instead of saying, I'm going to write a book this year, start with a goal of signing up for a writer's class or completing three pages instead. The satisfaction in reaching three smaller goals will motivate you to reach the next one. Of course, have the book goal, but the book goal could be your 10-year goal. So yes, reach for the stars, but be kind to yourself. In coaching, we do start with your big vision, help you plan back from that. So it's not overwhelming. Yeah, that's a really good tip. And I think like a sideline to this and link to what we were saying earlier could be if you foresee something that could go wrong, you could also break it down. You could break down, uh, you know, the ways in you th- or things that you think can go wrong and then right next to them or underneath them, make a plan for what can you do to make them better. Uh, that can also help you inviting the positivity or stopping the worrying coming afloat a because you know if those things actually happen you've got a plan to correct them or to make them better and b you're already thinking in a positive way what to do to overcome them or you may actually are writing them and you realize that they are actually not bad things or is not a possible scenario. So you could be also opening the door to that positive thinking, to that shift in the way you're thinking about things. So uh, yeah, you can do goals or you can do this sort of contingency plan thinking. Both of them could help you stop the worry or you know manage the worry. Yeah, I think if you plan for the problems, then you know what's coming up and it, it's not such a big worry. So that's a good point, Lucia. Thank you. 
Number two, turn problems into challenges. Words are very powerful, says Christy Ling, author of Empower Your Day, Keys to Creating More Happiness, Energy and Success Through Positive Mornings. Try creating a list of negative words or phrases that you use often and replace them with ones that are a bit more positive. If you regularly complain of problems, for example, start referring to them as challenges instead. Eliminate the phrase, I should, from your self-talk too, and replace it with, I will choose, or I could choose. Should carries obligation, dread, and resentment. Choose puts you in the driver's seat. As in, I could choose to do this laundry now so that I can relax tonight. While it may seem like simple language choice, the words you use every day in your self-talk can have a real effect on your attitude. I would say, watch Marissa Pears, which is the number one UK therapist. TED Talk. She highlights the power of collaborating with your brain, and it's one of the most watched TED Talks. Yeah, this is uh, this is a key point. You know, words do have an effect in ourselves, in our body, in our minds, in the way we think about things, in the way we see things. So it's really important that we are also managing the way we talk to ourselves and start being in control of those words that we set to ourselves. One of the ones I noticed that I said a lot, and you mentioned it there, was the shoot, which for me carried that heavy weight. And I realized that that shoot wasn't working well with me. But also I was using a lot, I can't. Um, And to me, for example, that's something that analyzing it afterwards, I realized that it wasn't true. I could do most of the things. It's just that I decided I didn't want to do them or I didn't want to do them right now or right then. So slowly, I'm still I'm still a work in progress in there, but instead of saying I can't, I try using I can't right now, which helps me contextualize whatever I've got in hand. Or I sometimes say something like, I actually don't want to do that. And that's a relief because instead of putting another kind of to-do thing in my to-do list, I'm actually allowing myself to say, I don't want to do it. And I express that to whoever is in front of me. And sometimes I explain why I don't. And sometimes it's fine. Uh, The majority of the time it's actually fine. People will understand where you're coming from. So I would say, be mindful of the words you say. And as you say, but also be mindful of who you're talking to and the options you've got. I think that will also could be um, quite a relief. Yeah, totally agree. Which kind of leads into tip number three, reset your default answer. So people who are naturally negative tend to use no as their first response to new ideas and experiences, says Lynette Louise, a neurofeedback therapist. In part, they do this to buy time while actually making a decision, but they end up defending the no choice and sticking to it, even at times when they might not have default instead to I'm not sure give me a minute she she suggests then try to find a good reason to say yes before you say no if you often say no I would say watch on YouTube Oprah super soul sessions Shona rhymes change your life by saying yes it's her story about when she started saying yes to things how her life totally changed and it's really very inspirational yeah, I think when you are saying yes, yes, yes to things, 
again, that's that's an open door. You're opening doors or windows if you're not ready to open doors yet. And, you know, a lot of positive things can start happening when you start in saying, start to say yes to, to things. I would caveat this because obviously we know we've got listeners who are people pleasers. So for those of you that recognize yourself kind of like on the other side of the spectrum and saying yes to everything and then regretting it straightforward, flip it, start saying no. You know, this is about allowing you to regain control and start seeing what action and reaction um, happen, you know, what happens uh, with your actions and reactions. So if you're naturally negative, absolutely do as Flirt says, start saying yes to everything. And that talk I've watched and it's absolutely inspirational. So can recommend it as well. But if you're, if you find yourself on the other side and you are a people pleaser, then do otherwise. Start saying no and start freeing up a bit of your of your mind and your agenda, really. Yeah, and I think if you're a yes or a no, saying I'm not sure, give me a minute or give me till tomorrow allows you to, to connect with your kind of values and your purpose and your priorities and then you can decide is this something you want to do or don't want to do. So that leads to number four display any achievements it can be important to have physical reminders of positivity in one's environment we did this a lot when we were teaching we'd put the kids work up to kind of remind them of what they can do so what works is anything that reminds you of something that you've achieved it could be awards write published writing business cards it could be something that reminds you of satisfying relationships, photos, artwork by your kids, or positive personal attributes, maybe a gift or letter from an appreciative client or boss that details some of your talents. It's hard to get down on yourself in the face of real proof of your abilities and full life. So for example, I have cards on my desk from happy clients and by past pupils, parents, and from my kids and husband to keep me motivated in time of challenge. This helps me to concentrate on what I can do, not focus on what I can't yet. Yeah, and I would say one good way of keeping track of all of this is actually working on what we call, because I'm worth it, notebook, which is just, uh, you know, an old book in which you stick everything that has been said to you in a positive way. And this can be like, you know, emails from clients, from your boss, recommendations, as you said, messages from families or, or friends, anything that says anything good about you, keep a record of it. Because the way our mind works, we were saying at the beginning, especially if you are more inclined to think of an, of the negatives rather than the positives, you immediately look for, for facts to support the decision that you've already made in your mind. So if you've got a hand a handful of facts proving the other way around, then you can start telling your mind otherwise. You can start telling your brain that things are not as bad as you see in them or you don't suck as much as you think you do because you do have real proof, a track record of things that prove that you're actually good at things or you are, you know, better than you think you were. Which leads to the last point today, number five, power poses. Historically, humans and other animals have expressed power through large, open postures. Think of a peacock fanning his tail or a negotiator standing and straightening up while her opponent sits. 
powerlessness is conveyed through body language too. Think of a frightened child curled in the fetal position or a shy person with slouched shoulders and downcast eyes. Standing up tall and spreading your arms, it's making me stand up, and spreading your arms might make you look bigger and more powerful, but can it actually convey power? In 2012, researchers from Harvard asked study participants to hold either one or two power poses. One was leaning back in a chair with hands behind head, elbows out and legs raised on a table in front, or a low power pose, standing with arms hugging chest and ankles crossed for one minute each. Before and after, heart rate and blood tests showed that those who held the power poses increased their levels of testosterone, a hormone involved with feelings and expressions of confidence and dominance, and lowered their levels of cortisol, the stress hormone. In interviews, they revealed feeling more powerful and open to risk. Lower power poses had the opposite results. So the next time you need a confidence boost, strike a pose. Dana Santes, the yoga trainer for elite athletes, instructs athletes to hold the mountain pose with arms up when they close that eye of the tiger. It's super simple. Stand with your feet hip distance apart, inhale and raise your arms overhead at shoulder width. Close your eyes and take 10 long deep breaths. On your last exhalation, draw your palms down and together in the middle of your chest and turn the corners of your mouth up in a smile. Take two or three more deep breaths, exhaling through your nose. That is a really good one. I didn't know about that. And it's a shame that Trish uh, is not here with us today. You may recall from our last episode that we mentioned the retreat that we're hosting on June the 12th till the 14th, which, by the way, you're more than welcome to join us. But Trish has been a yoga teacher for many, many years, and she, I'm sure, advocates for this pose as well and I'm sure we will be making plenty of those um, over the weekend but I agree I think it is said where your mind goes the body follows but I think it could be the other way around what you do with your body the mind takes on board uh, so to speak so I think if you start positioning yourself in these powerful poses it can really help you unlock that feeling and set that sign back to your brain if it makes any sense. So I think you could easily practice uh, the the exercise that you've learned just said and start monitoring the effects that it has in your perception, in your feelings, in the way that you see in the world just after that. And I am sure you would be seeing the difference. Yeah, and if you're not quite sure of my explanation, you can obviously YouTube it and watch someone do that mountain pose. It is a very simple pose, but it does help your body. It also helps alleviate the stress. And yes, please do come and join us on June the 12th to 14th. We're very excited. It's all planned now and we're starting to take bookings. So yes, get in touch. So thanks so much for listening to us for one more week. Thanks for your support. And don't forget to leave us a comment or a review. Subscribe, share the love, and thank you for helping us keep going. Have a great week and see you next time for more tips on how not to worry. Much love.